0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. the Russian
1: We're
2: going to talk about gardening. I know it's hot and it's humid and... Occasionally, some of us get a little bit of rain. Just enough to make things steam, but, hey, that's what it's, that's what it's about in the, the dog days of July and August. So we're going to sort of hunker down, pretend like we live in Minnesota in the middle of the winter, except it ain't, and it ain't. That's all right, folks. Hey, if you've got some things you'd like to talk about related to your garden uh, or anything re- garden-related, uh, whether it's lawns or shrubs or landscaping or vegetables or fruits or pruning or bugs or blah, whatever. If you want to chat about it, this is a good chance to talk with somebody who, first of all, I care. Second of all, i got university training. But third of all, I don't really care about university training. I just want to try to have a better garden with the less input if possible. So if you're into challenges, I do my best to help you. If you're looking for a way out of challenges, that's my specialty. Anyway, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RANGE. One eight seven seven MTB ring. We'll talk with you about whatever's on your guarding mind. I mean, that's just what we're going to do here. Hey, Java, how the, how the kids holding up in the summertime? Oh,
3: they have they having a, a good time. You know, we celebrate the Fourth of July, so they got a chance to get in the pool and go to go to Nana's and Mister C's house and have a good time, eat some barbecue. You know. Yep.
2: Okay, well, you know, it's, uh, 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 do they have access to swimming pool? you all got get a little backyard pool or something. that can take them any place because I mean that's what we do in the summertime or, or should anyway.
3: Yeah, it's 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 one of those little inflatable ones. I mean, you know, they they still under the age, both of them under the age of six, so we don't want it too deep, but it's just <laughs> enough for them to have have a little fun, splash around, and and, and get daddy wet. <laughs>
2: Hey, well, you know the uh, swimming they will leave a, a big uh, yellow spot in the grass, but that's okay. It just reminds you what happened. And uh, I'm I curious, though, uh, who mows who the grass in your family? I'm, I'm not trying to get too personal here, but man, it's what, hot out there. Yeah,
3: it is. And my dad at um, at their house, he has a, like a riding lawnmower. Uh, so uh-huh. when I, when I when I moved out, I guess all the pushing stopped, and and then he decided to get the riding lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There you go. Well, you know, I don't have any grass at all in my yard. Some people think that means I don't like grass, and it's just the exact opposite. I'm actually a, a turf guy. Uh, I work with golf courses and home gardens, you know, landscape maintenance people. And, um, you know, if, if, if anybody wants has problems with their lawn, I'll do the best I can of answering from a, from a training point of view, but also kind of from a practical point of view. There's a lot of – I just got my first email this past week, uh, and – from somebody who I think has already started to see chinch bugs in their St. Augustine. Chinch bugs are little, small members of the stink bug family. They're not much bigger than ants, and they fold their wings over the back so they look like they've got white spots, little black things. They're real fast, so they're hard to catch, so they'll fold their legs up and drop on the ground even if you pass your hand over the area. But uh, typically what they cause in the middle of the summer is uh, mostly St. Augustine, sometimes centipede, but um, big, yellow, dying areas. And I get this: the difference between diseases, which usually cause a curve or a circle, chinch bug damage is real raggedy. It's irregular. It's uh, it, it's random. It's not. There's no curve or circle to it at all. But anyway, if you've got st. Augustine, be able to look at because chinch bugs is really like hot, dry weather, especially in full sun. And as they feed on the plants, they suck sap out of it. They inject a poison that actually kills the grass. And uh, I've got a good friend named named uh, Robert. Who, uh, he lost his grass on a slope. We ended up putting some Asiatic jasmine because it was too steep to mow anyway. But if you start to see yellow ragged areas turning, uh, that look like they're dying in the sun in the middle of the summer, chances are chance bugs, and if you don't spray for them, you know, whether you like sprays or not, not my, you know, I'm just saying chance bugs are not that easy to kill. You got to spray a couple of times, about a week apart to make sure you get them all, including some that hatch out. Uh, since you sprayed the first time. So, anyway, if you've got questions about lawn care, uh, give me a shout. I'll be glad to yak with you. Meanwhile, let's go up to Walls. This is about as far north in Mississippi Delta as you can get before getting to Memphis. And talk with Nancy. Good morning, Nancy Howdy.
4: Well, hi, Felter. I'm good. How are you?
2: So far, so good.
4: What's up? Okay. I have a tulip poplar, and I'm very, very fond of it. It's about ten years old, and I planted it when it was about six inches high. I dug it up. I mean, um, the, real the leaves on the lower branches have are turning black. They look they have black stuff all over them, and even the branches themselves are black. And on the underside of the branches are these little, small copper colored uh, little bead things. And I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. and it's not affecting the upper part of the tree.
2: Well, what what, what you see is pretty common on on uh, on magnolias and, and relatives, and, and tulip poppers related to magnolias. Um, If if you look at those bumpy things, they're a type of insect called a scale. The scale, they they crawl out from eggs under the old scale, and they hook on to to twigs and and branches, and they attach themselves and lose their legs and cover themselves with kind of a waxy covering. And so basically they're like plant ticks with a covering. And uh, Uh as they suck sap out, some of the juice passes on through and drips out their rear end, and that's what that sticky stuff is, and that black, sweetie mold is growing on that sticky stuff, so, sort of like mold will grow on syrup if you leave it on the kitchen cabinet. So uh, uh, if uh-huh. you can, man, it's not going to be easy. If you can go out with just a pair of gloves on, just rub off as many of those things as you can. That will get rid of them for the most part this year. Not much else you can do because you can't really spray for something that covers itself up in a waxy gob.
4: Right. So just, just pull off the, the
2: little copper-colored things. Yeah, if if you'll match one, you'll see it's gooey inside. It's an insect. It covers itself with a little scale. It doesn't have legs anymore, but it, it covers itself like it's sort of like a a, a turtle shell over it, a waxy turtle shell. And uh, right. you just you know, you pop one, you see what's inside. Anyway, just rub them off. The most common one is about as big as the end of your little finger, it's kind of a white colored thing. Uh but there's all sorts of different scale that can do this. Anyway, rub them off as best you can. Uh because it can actually kill some twigs on, on trees. Oh, okay. Well I did cut off the lawn. lower branches. Yeah, you you can do that. Uh I mean but but scales are real common. They're I mean, they're like mosquitoes. You know, they will they will show up in the upper parts of the tree sooner or later. But if you know, cut branches off, don't leave a stub. Cut a branch flush with the with the limb or the limb flush with the trunk so it doesn't rot into the right. trunk. They're really fast growing okay. trees anyway.
4: Okay, will do. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Felder. Okay, good luck on it. Appreciate your call. Oh, I had a real interesting uh, week this past week with a bunch of emails. I'm going to share a few with you. But meanwhile, we're we're here talking about gardening. Whatever's on your mind, let's go all the way back down to the Gulf Coast of Pasco Good morning, Beth. How are you doing? I'm great, Felder. How are you?
4: Good, good, good. What's up? Well. A few years ago, the city dug up half my backyard to improve the drainage, and I'm very happy they improved the drainage. But they piled, I guess, red field dirt on top of the pipes, and now the grass that is growing on top of the pipes for the last two years has just been not as good as the grass in the rest of my yard. And I want to know if I can use compost or something to top dress it and improve it.
2: Uh, well, yes and no. The grass is growing in two different kinds of, of soil, two different kinds of dirt. Is always going to have a different root system and needing more or less water than the other one. You know, that's you know. So in in, in bad dirt, the grass will dry out quicker and it'll, it'll be stunted. Rather than just top dress with something like compost, which will just disappear, if you can go to an equipment rental place and rent what they call an aerator. It runs like a lawnmower, powered lawnmower, but it punches holes in the ground. Uh, and if you could do that, put the compost or some dirt or some sand, and then, and then the aerate it. Th- the stuff will go down those holes and make them more or less permanent. And grass roots will follow them down to the bottom of those holes real quick. And then, as those roots die naturally, new roots will follow their pathway. The aerating will probably do as much as uh, better than anything. And you can rent them by, you know, use a couple of hours.
4: Okay, now I've seen
2: aerators,
4: and they just take a little plug of dirt out, right? How deep down do they go?
2: Yeah, there's, there's two kinds of aerators. One just has spikes, and it punches holes in the ground. One pulls plugs out. They're actually better. It, it works better if you've got soft dirt, like after rain or something like that. You know, a day or so after rain, it works a whole lot better than rattling across the top. And when it does that... Next time you mow the grass, the mower will just you know knock those plugs into just nothing. So you don't have okay. to worry about raking them up. The mower will take care of the plugs that leaves up there.
4: Okay. Well, thank you for that. I, I'll try it in the fall. I know probably. it sounds like a lot. I know it sounds like a lot of trouble, but really. Hey, by the way, do you water your grass? Are you able to water? Oh yes, but I, I don't have to water it that much. But uh, yes, I do yeah. water it, and, and you know, and I followed your rule about watering it deep and not so frequently. There you go. That
2: that that's the key. So once you can get the pathway for the roots to get down deep where air can penetrate, roots will quickly go to the bottom within two or three weeks. You can dig up some of those holes, and they'll just be full of grass roots down the bottom. It really does make a dramatic effect. It's not okay. Necessary. All right. Well, Most thank you for your answer. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you.
4: Mm-hmm. Bye bye.
2: righty. Uh, by the way, folks, there's uh, something going on in the coast starting in a, a month or so. NSU uh, has a, a, a research and extension center uh, over on, uh, in, uh, I forgot the name of it, uh, Pops Ferry. Anyway, uh, Dr. James Dill Prince is a horticulture specialist with the NSU uh, Coastal Research Station, and uh, he's also an internationally famous celebrity floral designer. Uh, but he's going to have uh, a whole series of, of classes that are going to start up, I guess, in about, oh, towards the end of August. And I'm going to be giving a little bit more information about that, but if you can, I'm just trying to, to, uh, here we go. I'm just trying to find my notes here if I can. Anyway, I I can't, I can't undo my notes right now and talk at the same time, so I'll give that the email uh, or the website information in just a second. But there is going to be a series of courses, uh, both series and uh, one-shot workshops on floral design and all sorts of things related to that. Uh, there in uh, Biloxi on Potsbury Road. I'll get some information about that in just a little while. Meanwhile, let's stay on the coast and let's go to. Oh, uh, b- well. Before we do that, uh, let me throw out this. There was a um, a lady called last week named um, Susan Owens from Memphis, and she's got she has the um, uh, a poem that she did, which I thought was really really cool. And I asked her if she would send it to me, which she did. And I want to share it with you. It's real short. And this, again, this is from from Susan Owens from Memphis. Here's what it And it's about a native plant called Lizard Tail. We had things to do. Who knew how prolific lizard plants grew? We planted them imagining only beauty, but then tending them became less joy, more duty. Heat, burning sun, and mosquitoes we dreaded while the lizard plants became embedded. Like a giant army, they marched across the little plants, treading on their toes. They towered above in the garden ornaments and covered up my favorite fairy rose. Nice, huh? Anyway, thanks, Susan Owens, for sending that to me. And while well, on this artist listener note, uh, a guy I know from up in the Delta in Belzona named Gus Mohammed, he's a way cool nurse from Belzona, uh, did 20 years of radio before coming on Nurse. Anyway, he has a little band called Big Daddy, the First Street Players, and he did and this music has been fav- uh, featured on Mississippi Road. Anyway, he just did a little ditty about this program. And I thought it was only a minute long. So let's, let's play that little ditty from Gus Mohammed and then go right into a break and we'll come back with your live phone calls about gardening in the deep south in July. Here is Gus Mohammed in a tune that he calls aphids on my snap beans.
1: I've got aphids on my snap beans I've got white flies on my peas I've got weevils on my bok choy That have brought me to my knees I've got stink bugs in my okra And the slugs have set up home I've got hornworms on my peppers Felder on the phone.
2: Welcome okay, back to the Postal Still Dirrussian. Uh, last week I got a lot of responses to my request for first person accounts. Well, a fairly new mosquito control product is invented by a fellow from Hattiesburg called Spartan Mosquito Eradicator. I just wanted to hear people who've actually used it that I can know tell me something good about it. Anyway, everybody says it works just fine. But I also got one from a woman on the coast who some years ago sampled me with a, her personally concocted mosquito repellent. It works great when you put it on your skin, but... Uh, this thing called Spartan Mosquito Eradicator, which again, sounds like an, I'm advertising, but really I'm just trying to get people to see how well it works and support Mississippi product. Uh, it's supposed to keep the critters out of the garden. Uh, anyway, a little bit more on that later. Meanwhile, let's go back down to the Gulf Coast to Bay St. Louis. Good morning, Carol. How are you? Hello. Hey, Carol. You're on the air. Can I help you? Sheldon.
5: Yeah. Hi. Um we moved here to, uh, to the coast. For, uh, kind of recently from Nebraska where by the way I, I listened to your program with uh, with Dr. Dirt and really enjoyed it in Nebraska but um wow. we uh uh we moved here and you know growing things in your backyard is not as easy as it was <laughs> our our soil is very loam and and a lot of sand and we had a guy from the extension office come over and and do an analysis and he said that our our soil is extremely nitrogen poor and uh, so I was looking up, we, we tried to, uh, to supplement last year and that didn't work out very well. Uh, it, all the rain seemed to just take everything away. Um, so I was wondering, could we use clover as a nitrogen fixing? Um, would, would that work better for our soil than trying to, to uh,
2: artificially put in the chemicals? Well, yes and no. And, and let me back up just a bit. You know, I retired extension. I did that for a lot. fully retired. Didn't quit. Didn't get fired. Didn't blow a vein. I actually retired, and I actually tested soils samples for the extension service when I first started there. And we—they don't even test for nitrogen. We assume that nitrogen doesn't last from year to year. And, and, and I mean, they don't even have a test for it. So basically, what he was saying was, you're 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 good in everything else and all you really need is a little nitrogen. So that's what he's really saying. Unfortunately, the, the printout from the university recommends this so-called ammonium nitrate, which is like it's an agriculture product. It's like cocaine to the to the garden. It's a terrible product to use at home because it's really strong, really fast, and very temporary. Uh, if you want to grow clover here in the deep south and along the coast, it grows best over the winter. You plant the, the stuff in the fall. It dies down in the spring. And then uh, you know you cut it, and its roots, which is which hold the nitrogen, uh, slow release it. Uh, to me, you'd be a little bit better off just using a slow acting type of nitrogen. And if you go with something natural, this is stuff called cottonseed meal. Uh, up north, you probably used alfalfa meal or something like that. The cottonseed meal, a light application of that, not only provides slow acting nitrogen. But it also feeds earthworms, which in turn dig better dirt for you. So, oh yeah, uh, you can do the clover thing if you want in the fall. But to me, using a slow acting type of nitrogen, whether it's a, a, a synthetic product like, like with having lawn seeds or something like cottonseed meal, it gets a long, slow, steady feeding. Uh, but just we just have to assume that nitrogen does not last. They don't even test for that. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay, it, it sounds like that I might have just stirred up some muddy water, but if you want to shoot me an email, I speak Nebraska, Western Nebraska, uh, more so, uh, where it's really, really difficult growing stuff. So uh, I'll be glad to help you a little bit more on that. But the main thing is uh, if you want some more information, just shoot me an email. Be glad to help.
5: I sure will. Thanks so much.
2: All righty. When it comes to fertilizer, there's so much confusion out there. And the fact is, plants need a little extra help. They need nutrients, just like you need to feed your cat every now and then. not that big a deal. But uh, you do need to fertilize plants. Some of the ingredients in fertilizer last a long time, like phosphorus and potassium, but nitrogen simply burns up and gets used up, and it doesn't last long. They don't even test for that. So if they say you're low in nitrogen, what they mean is, you need nitrogen. We didn't test for it. We just know you need a little bit. Main thing is don't overdo it because too much nitrogen fertilizer will make plants grow green whether they want to or not. Sometimes it will make fruiting plants like tomatoes and peppers and things like that grow so fast they throw the fruits off. So a little bit of nitrogen once or twice a year is all you need. We can just assume that. So anyway, if you want to give me a call and talk about gardening, one eight seven seven MPB ring, eight seven seven easy toll free. MPB stands for Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and ring is what it does. And Kevin Farrell will pick it right up and punch you through. One eight seven seven MPB ring. on am horticulturist Russian. Uh, I got a uh, an email from Jenny Campbell who lives up in Taylor, Mississippi. Uh, she has says she has a purple butterfly bush. She doesn't look happy. The leaves are yellow. And it's not blooming that well. Her question is, should she deadhead it? By the way, deadheading just means cutting off faded flowers and seed pods. This keeps the plant from wasting time making seeds. Instead, it stimulates a real fast new growth that'll flower. Butterfly bushes, uh, buddleia as some people call it, are notorious about making flowers and then stopping. As long as they've got those, those dead flower stalks on the ends of the branches, they're just going to sit there. So if you want to keep a butterfly bush really good, as soon as the branch gets too blooming, just break it off, or snip it off, or prune it off, or something like that, and almost immediately it'll sprout out some new stems that have new flowers on it, just like a rose will. So that's just sort of a, a given with buddleias, at least in the deep south. Um, also, let me see. Well, I had another email I wanted to share. I can't, I can't find it right now, but. Let me throw this out. This is something kind of interesting. As a matter of fact, it will sort of take us into uh, to the cheesy tune of the year. I do want you to give me a call. We're going to be in until 10 o'clock talking about, or 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock on Fridays, 10 to 11 on Saturdays. Um, so if you want to give us a call, we've got more than 30 minutes to just chat about gardening. Toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Before I get into my little Hort tidbit of the week, let's talk with Walter. He's also near the Gulf Coast and Rural Market. Hey, Walter, how are
1: you? Hey you? Hey, I got a question. I've got blueberries that are tapering off from so thinking and wondering when to prune and how to prune. They're about eight to ten feet tall, so about eight or okay. ten bushes.
2: Okay, I, I'm having a little bit of difficulty here and I'm I'm
1: a long ways off to, and, and uh, what what
2: was the plant again? What was the question?
1: Blueberry plants, uh they yep. are wonder when to prune. Uh, how to prune. They're tapering off, can't pick any more blueberries, and they're about 8 to 10 gotcha. feet tall.
2: Gotcha. There's two ways to prune, two different things that need to be done with blueberries for pruning. One is uh, three things. The third one is don't do any pruning past the end of this month. No pruning at all because the new growth that comes out, you need to have time to mature and set flower buds before fall. So if you can do any pruning, this is the last month. So the two ways you prune is when you get through picking, the tall stuff you have the trouble re- reaching, as soon as you get through picking it, just cut it down to the knee-high or waist-high. Just cut it down. It'll sprout back out the rest of the year, and uh, that new growth will have uh, flower buds and bears next year. So that's the hard part, cutting the tall stuff down as soon as you get through picking. But the other way is from the, the spring until about now, any new growth that comes up, whether suckers come up from the ground or, or twigs on, on some of the low branches, any of the new growth that came out this year Cut it back about a third or halfway, and it will bush out. Instead of being long and skinny, it will bush out more twigs, more flowers, more berries next year. So slip tip, the tips off the new growth, um, you know, in the spring and early summer, and then cut the tall stuff back when you get through picking it. And that's pretty much it. Okay, sounds pretty easy. Uh, so we've got
1: about, uh, you said, another month to, to do to do our pruning and then don't do anything after that? No, no. It,
2: let's do it as soon as you get as soon as you can. The sooner you get it done, the, the more time the new growth will have time to come out and the tour. Okay. So uh, okay. Are, are you through picking now? Yeah yeah, they're getting kind of slim. Yeah, they're so getting as soon kind as you get done, yeah. go ahead and cut it back. You know, the sooner the better. And Okay, fella, enjoy the show. You know, Thank
1: you so one, much.
2: All right, appreciate it. I get a lot of calls about printing blueberries. They're sort of like figs, you know, but they kind of, there's a couple of little tricks to it. But Anyway, if you want to give me a call, it's toll free 1-877-MPB Ring. Let's talk to Johanna and Jackson. Good morning, Johanna. How are you?
6: Good morning. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. What's up? Uh, I wanted to call you about, I thought nobody else was going to care about this but me. I've got three favorite wildflowers and one of them is that blue flower that blooms at the same time the goldenrod does. It makes kind of a periwinkle blue. And it's gotten real leggy and laid over. But the other thing about the top of the plants, they're contorted and deformed and everything. And I've wondered about going and maybe cutting them off halfway if they'd still bloom this fall or if there was, or what, what's wrong with them?
2: No, no, you, you can do it. Is, that, is this a real light blue, or is it a rich purple royal purple blue?
6: It's like a, that periwinkle blue. They make those little small fluffy flowers, little clusters yeah, of
2: them yeah. on the top. That on? Yeah, that's that's wild azuratum. A lot of people call it. It's got a Latin name this you know, colostinum uh, something, something, something. I can't remember the whole name. But uh, anyway, if you want to, things like goldenrod, narrowleaf sunflower, uh, the wild lands, right? and those fall-bearing things. If you come them back a halfway to a third now, they should have plenty of time for the new growth to come out to set flower buds before fall. But let's get it done as soon as you can.
6: Okay. Is there something wrong with them? Do they have a disease or a virus or something? Were they making that cut? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know
2: if there's either way you could send me a real clear close-up picture of it. You know, I can make a, at least make an educated guess. But there's, you know, it could be an insect, it could be bad weather, it could be fire. I, I just don't know without looking at it. Okay, uh, nice thank you one pre- more question. Pretty pre- will help. Let's just go ahead and get it done as soon as you can. Uh, okay. By the way, I have goldenrod and that tall and leaf sunflower in my garden, and I always cut them back uh, in, the, in the late spring, early summer, so that they're bushy with more flowers instead of tall and floppy.
6: That's what I want to do then. can I ask you one more question? Sure. what is the best time to spray the camellias for white flies? I've done it once. I should have done it more. I've been bad about it. Is there a particular time to get them when they're in their cycle or something or no nope. white flies like
2: mosquitoes uh, they come as they will. The, the adults lay the eggs the young ones hatch out they fly around and lay more eggs. And that can happen pretty much from spring to fall. There's no way to prevent that from happening. So the best thing to do is be to, to, every now and then, if they're really bad, I mean, if they're bothering you a lot, if you just can't ignore them, spray the underside of the leaves late in the day with insecticidal soap. That, that will control the larvae. insecticidal soap won't get them all, but it's a, it's a safe product. It works well on the young ones. But they're they're closer on the bottom side of the leaves in the evening, and if you do that a couple of times a week apart, when they get really really bad, that'll knock the worst of them down. It, it's rare that they're going to seriously hurt a plant that much, but this will knock the worst. Two sprays a week apart, on the side of the leaves, late in the day.
6: Okay. Well, I had gotten some soap from Hutto's, some of that oil soap, and I'd sprayed them. I let them get really, really bad, and I felt really ashamed. These are some really old, old kind of antique camellias, and I'd never done it. And most of the leaves were yellow, and I thought, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I'm going to do that then.
2: Okay, good luck on it. Uh, by the way, folks, uh, these little tips of the week, an interesting horticulture thing. A banana is botanically a berry. Believe it or not, a banana is a berry, like a blueberry. Uh, and it's also grown the world's largest herbaceous iron plant. Uh Bananas are the top fruit eaten in America. We average something like 28 or 30 pounds per person. Uh, that's over 100 bananas per person on average per year. Uh Anyway, regardless whether you like a, a firm, nearly green one or soft, brown speckled mushrooms, they're pretty much the same. They're good for you, uh, unless you you know have uh, diabetes and, and you don't want that sugar spike. Eat them when they're. When they're, when they're green. Don't wait till they turn mushy if you've got problems with sugar. Anyway, a hundred years or so ago, in the early part of the last century, the most popular market banana was called Gross Michael, or the Big Bite banana. It was the main variety grown all over the world. It became infected with a real serious banana disease. Uh, and now we have a replacement called Cavendish. Almost all the bananas grown, sold in the world are Cavendish, and they're starting to get this same disease. Okay, the reason I'm saying all that, because scientists have just found a small group of tough, ancient, big-seeded wild bananas that are resistant to the disease, and they can offer us a chance to crossbreed it with the, the larger fruit kinds to keep us from losing the fruit altogether. Probably there's only but five of these trees left in the world. Stay tuned. And think hard about how dependent we are on just a few varieties of certain plants, like corn, which can be wiped out quickly if a new disease crops up. Something about preserving diversity and all that. Anyway, as a nod to bananas, I thought I had exposure to this old tune from 1922 Broadway play. It was inspired by a severe shortage of the big night, big Mike banana fruit 100 years ago.
0: It's run by a Greek And he keeps good things to eat But you should hear him speak When you ask him anything He never answers no He just yeses you to death And as he takes your dough He tells you yes, of course we have no bananas We have no bananas today We've spring beans and onions cabbages and scallions And all kinds of fruit and say. We have an old-fashioned tomato, a long-island potato. But yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas today. Business got so good with him, he wrote home to say... Send me Pete and Nick and Jim I need help right away When he got them in the store There was fun, you bet Someone asked for sparrowgrass And then the whole quartet all answered Yep, we have no Bananas We have no bananas Today Just buy those coconuts, Those walnuts and donuts There ain't many Nuts like they We'll sell you two kinds of red herring, dark brown and ball-bearing, but yes, we have no bananas, we have no bananas today. You got a banana? No? Yes? Banana? No? Yes? No, 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 no banana today. No banana today. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org.
3: Chat me here. Waiting on Felder. We you know it's a live program, so we had a little technical difficulty. But if you want to join the conversation, that number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And number once again is one eight seven seven six seven two MPB ring. That's six seven two seven four six four. And I believe we have Felder back on the line. Felder, are you back with us, man?
2: I am, um, you know, he sent me a text, and it made a little beep sound, and, and I looked down, I saw the phone number, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it dropped my call, so I hung up. So I put the wrong button that time. Sorry, Java.
3: We all right, man. We just got to uh, get back. To, we got a full board of calls, though.
2: Okie okay, dokie. Well, I, I, there's a couple of things I want to share, but let's go directly to the call. Let's start out with Wayne and Jackson. Hey, Wayne, good morning, sir. Hey,
1: I can barely hear you. Well, I can hear you fine. What's up? Uh, I have two questions. Uh, in the spring, I fertilized my St. Augustine grass, and um, it had 2% iron in it. I would like to put some more iron on the lawn to make it really green. Yeah. And the other question is, had my soil analyzed, and it came back as being my pot ash is low. Can I put pot ash on my lawn this time of year? Yes,
2: Uh, let's back up though. The iron thing is almost a gimmick, almost a gimmick, uh, because we have typically plenty of iron in our soil. If you'll use this stuff, I know you have St. Augustine, but if you'll use this stuff called Centipede Food, it's got a good amount of slow acting, long lasting, gentle nitrogen. It's got low phosphorus, which is great for St. Augustine, and it's got a a lot of potassium, enough enough potassium lasts you for two years. So if you'll just use a stuff called centipede food once every year or two and recycle your clippings, uh, centipede food also like, typically has a little extra nitrogen in it. So that one product will give St. Augustine and centipede pretty much all the nutrients, including winterizer, that your grass needs just one or two feeding every couple of years or so. Seriously. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Good luck on it. Appreciate it. Now, let's stay in Jackson. It's Jim. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good
1: morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt. Yes, sir. What's up? Our crepe myrtles on Griffith Street in front of the law school this year were absolutely magnificent. But I'm curious because uh, at this stage, their bark is all peeling off. Is that the yeah. only tree in which the bark peels off? Uh, well,
2: no, not really. It's called exfoliating bark, and the river birches do it. Some crape myrtles do it. I call it better than others. Some people really call it worse. To me, that's just a beautiful part of the crape myrtle. The crepe myrtles, river birches, certain hickories, uh, blueberries, they all have that, what they call exfoliating bark. And it's actually kind of pretty.
1: And it's funny when they see a squirrel slip on it, too. Well, the bark looks so shiny, smooth, and green underneath when the old bark comes off. Yeah, that's
2: just part of it. You know, we're the same way, Doc, every time. You know, since if you take a shower, you come out looking all clean and, and pretty, too. I think like I'll go take a shower, Felder. Thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you, call, Dean. Appreciate that. Okay, our number is toll-free, mpb ring You want to give us a call and talk about gardening? We'll muddle through it. I've got technical problems there on my end, not MPB's end. Um but I mentioned that uh, James F. Prince, a uh, horse specialist with the uh, Extension Service down on the coast, he's a, he's a really famous celebrity uh, floral designer. Anyway, he scheduled some really interesting floral design uh, classes starting this fall, late August, uh, and continuing with new ones every month. If you want information or registration about it, I- I'll, I'll touch on each one before they come up. But in general, if you'll go to this email, this uh, website, it's coastal.ms. State.edu. If you have some trouble with that, shoot me an email. By the way, I answer email during the week. If you have a question or comment or want to add something or, or get me to really touch on something a little bit more in-depth, or maybe you want to take on the way I put something, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not profit. I'm. You know, I'm here to learn, just like the rest of y'all, and to share what I know. But you can shoot me an email about your garden or your concerns, garden at mpbonline dot org. Garden at mpbonline dot org. Our live phone call right now is 877 MPB ring. Let's slide down to Port Gibson. Good morning, Linda. How are you? I'm fine. I-
4: I understand you're having technical problems, but um, uh, I just want to know, uh, I keep getting, I keep buying um, aloe vera plants from plant food places, and I get them home and put them in a pot. They don't grow. What am I doing wrong, or what technique should I use? Uh,
2: Well, I, I grow a lot of different kind of cactus and succulents, and aloe vera is a type of succulent uh, what they like is a pretty well-drained potting soil that doesn't ever stay wet. In other words, when you water it, uh, it soaks it up. If you water it again, the extra tuck runs out the bottom. really important that they have good drainage. They like to be kept a little on the moist side. You can let them get dry between the soakings. The main thing is don't let them stay dry and don't keep them wet. Uh, they also, even they, they go out in the sun in uh, in place like South Africa where they're native, uh, they won't take the full sun here and, because of their humidity. So put it in a place that's as bright as possible, but not not in the middle of the day direct sunshine. So other than bright light and an occasional good soaking without letting it stay too wet or too dry, that's about all we can do. You can also try putting it, Linda, in not too big a pot because a big pot can temporarily stay wetter uh, than the plant's needs. So you might want to put them in uh, some smaller pots. Okay, uh, I'll try that. Uh, okay. Thank I'm, you for I, your, I, I, thank okay. you. Okay. You, uh, you bet, Linda. If you have some more specific I, questions about that, you know, shoot me an email. I've got my, my favorite potting soil recipe, and I, I grow, again, a lot of cactus and succulents, and instead of growing with stuff right out of the bag, uh, if I could recommend one specific product, um, I don't get paid by these people, but I'm just going to say that... The, Potting soil that's called miracle Grow, is a pretty good formulation. It drains well, but it doesn't dry out too fast. But if you get any kind of potting soil and add this white crunchy stuff that's called perlite, P-E-R-L-I-T-E, get a real small bag of perlite and mix it with a good bit of regular potting soil, it gives that little extra drainage that, that some succulents need. Maybe that'll help. All righty, folks, if you want to get to the call, it's toll free one eight seven seven mtb ring uh, Let's go down to, uh, to, not down, right in the middle of me, but speaking to McGee. Hey, Spencer, good morning. Good morning, brother. What are you doing? <laughs> so far, so good. Can you hear me okay?
1: Yeah, I hear you just fine, brother.
2: Good. I, I've got some really tight earphones here that's not working that well. Anyway, what can I help you with? Oh, that's good. Um, what,
1: I've, what I've been wondering is, is since the last time I've seen you down there in law, um, I was trying to find out if this, there's an alternative to cutting your grass, cutting your grass all the time. And I know you do some different things like that as far as just planting different plants. Um, I've got an acre, and I'm putting in fruit trees as I can and as I go. Um, but I'm trying to figure out a different alternative to keeping either a short Type of grass that I don't have to mow so much um, versus this hay that I have to cut every three days, um, or if there's some kind of, like, small ground cover that I can, you know, reestablish and put in over the top of this grass?
2: Well, it's a, it's a good question, and, and I know it's a real pain to take care of a big acreage. Uh, I, I've had to do that in my youth, and I gradually got down to where I just don't have any. Um, I work with a good number of fruit growers, both commercial and large scale homeowners. And basically, what they try to do is keep the grass completely clear out directly up under the trees, you know, in a little circle four or five feet across. Uh, You know, try to cut that as close as possible. And then as needed, cut the the, the taller stuff in the middle. You can plant a cover crop in the fall, like clover or, uh, you know, vetch or something like that. And then when it starts to flower in the spring, you can cut it down and it'll actually feed the whole area. But if you've got plenty of sunshine, Bermuda grass um is it it you know, it would tall. it's probably your best bet out there. Um anyway, there's not a good ground cover for big egg trees. They could better than just simply mow what grows. And if it gets six inches, eight inches tall, that's okay. Get your bush off, so, so but keep keep under the plants themselves uh cut fairly often and the in between stuff just when you absolutely have to. And
1: there's no
2: real good okay. way around that without using uh, herbicides, and I don't think that's a great idea.
1: No, no, I'm against it too. But I'm, uh, that's what I was trying to figure out because I want to change. I- I'm just so tired of cutting the acre. I guess is what I'm getting at. And that's what. So you're saying yeah. Bermuda grass would be a better choice than this bahia, I'm sure.
2: Well, no, well, if you got, you know, once you got Bahia, you're pretty well stuck with it, cause there's, there's nothing that, I mean, even if you want to use weed killers, what'll kill Bahia will kill just about everything else. So the main thing is Bahia, you know, it, it's most of the seed heads that, that really bother you. So what I would do is I would just get in the habit of, uh, of getting you know, like a small bush hog and cutting the big swaths, you know, every month or month and a half as needed, and then just you know, mow up under the plants. Keeping it off the trunks is nothing worse than a fruit tree, than you it with the the, the trunk with a lawnmower or a string trimmer. But if you can protect the trunk and keep the stuff cut under the trees, I would just mow the other stuff when you just absolutely have to. In Europe, uh, in England, where I, where I am a lot of time, uh, they actually let it get almost knee high in between the trees. Well, really? but uh, but they they don't have to deal with uh, you know eighty five degrees three in the morning like we do. No, yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right. Ain't no easy up. way around it. No easy way around it, man. All right. I appreciate it, man. Okay. Good luck on it. Appreciate your call. Okay, folks, we're going to take a real, real quick break. we got lots of time if you want to give us a call at toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, any, if you have email uh, questions during the week, shoot them to me, garden at mpbonline.org. And I want to mention that the Mississippi Press Association sends my weekly columns to the local weekly and daily newspapers around the state. If yours doesn't carry it, I know that uh, that uh, ink and space are tight, but uh, if you want a local timely seasonal on non garden column, it ain't your usual ho home how-to advice. Check with your local paper and see if they want to carry it my column. doesn't cost them anything if they belong to the Mississippi Press Association. This week is that dirt and soil the difference between the two and how to make one or the other. I'm going to be right back with more of the Gestalt Garden here on MPB right after this.
0: MPB News is leading the way, covering stories that matter to Mississippians with five first place awards from the Associated Press, including breaking news, radio achievement, and public affairs reporting. Your source for a deeper look at today's top story is MPB News. Okay, back again.
1: Uh, this
2: past uh, Monday, it was just four days ago, I was uh, at the. Uh, what they call media day, press day at the Hampton Court Flower Show, the Royal Horticulture Society Hampton Flower Show. It's, uh, it's also in London, like the Chelsea show, but I try to get to all these flower shows. i usually on press day where I can interview people. Anyway, this past week I, I did an interview, I'm going to run parts of it over the next few weeks, uh, with probably England's top garden guru. His name is Alan Tishmarsh. Anybody from Great Britain knows Alan Tishmarsh. He's uh, he's just a garden guru. Anyway, I interviewed him. Uh, I, I, I've known him for several years. and He has some real interesting things to talk about, heritage plants, pass-along plants, wildflower meadows, things like that. So, anyway, know, the, the Hampton Court Flower Show had a lot of really, really cool stuff, but they're emphasizing native plants, wildflowers, pollinators, water features, arbors, uh informal planting, things like that that cut down on maintenance and watering and spraying and, and things like that. So, Uh, If you're interested in that approach, shoot me an email during the week. Garden at MPBonline.org, and I'll play the interview with uh, part of the interview with Alan Tishmarsh starting next week. Meanwhile, let's fly down to Popperville. Good morning, Tim. How are you, sir?
1: I'm fine. How are you today? Good, good, good. What's up? Thank you for taking my call. My my work. I travel around uh, South Mississippi a lot on these roadways. I see large patches of dead grass. I keep thinking that. uh, they're spraying some sort of herbicide just randomly all over the place, and I was talking to a friend of mine who's a fireman. says it's some sort of evasive grass, sack or something like that. He called it that. They're trying to uh, eradicate from the from the area. I just wonder if you know anything yeah. about that. Yeah,
2: that that would be Kogon grass. C O G O N, cogon Kogon grass. Uh, you've probably seen it. Uh, it grows kind of low, and when it flowers, it has little really white uh, low flowers. It looks like almost like cotton blowing in, in the wind. It's low and just a lot of little low white seed head type things. That's coconut grass, and it's, it really is causing problems, partly because it's invasive, and when it catches on fire, it burns hotter than other grasses, it can kill trees and stuff like that where other grasses just burn. But anyway, Kogan grass is one of our, probably one of our top ten invasive weeds, sort of like the, the low-growing version of kudzu. That's probably what they're doing. I'll be honest, I don't know if it's going to help that much. They're just trying to keep it at bay. But I think that cat's already out of the bag. So that stuff is everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I can say I'm Just trying to figure out why there's so much many large dead patches. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Have a good day. Okay, you
2: you bet. Appreciate it, man. Okay, Goodbye. now we got time for another call. Let's slide over to Hammond, Louisiana. Hey, is it is it Liam? Liam? It's Liam. Liam. Hi. Um, oh. My name's Liam. I'm a ten year old
4: boy. I grow watermelons every year. I was wondering what exact time
2: I should pick them. Oh boy, that's a that's a really good one because. You know, even old-timer gardeners sometimes don't don't understand this. It depends on the variety and about how long it is, but if you can, if you can gently roll it one over, that spot on the bottom, it'll change colors when it's getting towards ripeness. It's, it's hard to explain. But, and I don't remember it goes from white to yellow or yellow to white, but that spot where it's sitting on the ground, it likes to change color. You can also um, – and that's probably the best way, it's just – Keep track of what variety, about how long from when you plant the seeds to when they're supposed to ripen, you know, whether it's three and a half months or, you know, 90 days or 120. But each variety has about how long from seed to harvest planted on the seed level, uh, the, the the, the label, the seed package. And, again, that spot will change colors on the bottom. If you go to a farmer's market, where they sell watermelons, also talk to them, because they pick them every day, and they may have a a nice little trick on your particular variety. But that's always a good... is to talk to people who do it for a living rather than an old guy talking on the radio like me.
4: Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, Thank you. My brother has a question about his peppers.
2: Um, Okay. Well, we're we're just about out of time. Uh, can, Can you email me? If you would shoot me an because, I mean I work with with, uh, with youth gardeners all over the country, but if you shoot me an email, garden at Mtv Online we get a lot more detail. Uh, hey, the Good Porn Gardeners Production, this is Public Broadcasting. Uh, my producer is a late, hard hardworking. Java Chapman. Phone greeter today was our esteemed Kevin Sterrell, I'm your host, Delta Rushing. I've been thinking of all of y'all that Get Out and About. Uh, I hope you get a good, slow soaking rain. I hope it uh, also carries all the aphids and the white flies and some away with it. Uh, but, please, every day is a new day. Take a chance to take some kids to a garden. Center or a farmers market, and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. Shoot me an email: gardenncbonline.org.